Can you hear me clearly? Yes. Amen. All right. All right. All right. This psalm, this psalm, Psalm 85, is a group prayer. Actually, when you, when you read it, it says a prayer of mercy and meditation on the excellencies of the Lord. Uh, but in some translations, it's called the song of the Kohathites, who, who were a part of the Levite tribe. Amen. Uh, and, and so it is a song that was sang in worship at a time when the nation needed revival. Amen. So it's a group prayer, a group psalm that the people pray to God, uh, the God who had in the past been gracious to them and had blessed them, but who apparently now at this particular time when, 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 when the psalm was written, the people sensed God's anger uh, toward them. And when you study the commentaries, it stated that we don't really know what event in Israel's life would have provided a reason for such a prayer. Uh, but some theologians, some commentators uh, think that it reflects on the situation shortly after the people returned um, to Judah from Babylon, which would place us in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. Amen. So, so it's believed that this psalm is a psalm that was written and sang during the worship or prayed during the worship during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah and the return of the exiles uh, to Babylon. Now, the emphasis, the emphasis in these scriptures is on the word, on the words, revive us again. Can somebody say that? Revive us again. Amen? Uh, and when you use the word again, apparently it suggests that these people were crying out to God to send a revival. Amen? And that they had once enjoyed a, a, a blessed relationship with the Lord. They once enjoyed a prosperous, prosperous life, but, but they had lost it. Amen? Uh, and, and of course, this would give rise to the passion to cry in Psalm, Wilt thou not revive us again? Will thou not revive us again? When you hear these words, you also think of the words that, that the Lord spoke uh, through, to Solomon. Amen. After Solomon prayed and dedicated the temple, and, 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 and he prayed that if the people sinned, uh, that God would, would hear their prayers in the temple and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And God's re response to them in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 was, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves, and pray and seek my face and turn from that wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Amen. And we talked about this a few weeks ago as we dealt with uh, the, some of the sermons in Ezra and Nehemiah. Because really the return of the exiles to Babylon and the restoration of the temple, the restoration of the worship of, 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 of Judah was a sense of revival. Amen. God was reviving the people. Amen. 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 So here in the psalm, the, the, the plea, wilt thou not revive us again? It's a plea for a second chance. Amen. The plea is give us life once again. Amen? Make us prosperous once again. Make us strong once again. Make us joyous once again. 
And when you think of the situation that the, that the Jewish people were in, this fits right in. They needed to experience the blessedness of being the people of God once again. They needed to experience the strength, amen, that they had experienced under, under David, amen, when all of the nations around them were subdued and they were strong people, amen. They needed the joy that came out of their relationship with the Lord. They wanted God to, to restore this again, restore this again to them. And I was reading this in verse 6. It says, rejoice, um, uh, restore the joys. Let me, let me read it right here. Verse 6 says, give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplication. Oh, I'm sorry. Praise the name of Jesus. Verse 6 says, will you not revive us again that, you, that your people may rejoice in you? Rejoice, rejoice, bring joy back again. So, so when you read the commentary, sometimes it uses the word happiness, but we understand that happiness is temporary. But joy is consistent. Amen? Amen. Joy does not depend on your circumstances. Happiness depends on your circumstances. But joy depends on your relationship with the Lord. Amen. You can be joy, you can be joyous in the midst of difficult times. You can be joyous in the midst of sad times. Amen. When you're not happy, your joy can still be there. When you're crying, your joy can still be there. Amen. So when I read the word rejoice, I hear the Lord say, I want to restore joy to you again. And this was their prayer. This was their prayer. Amen? Amen. Because, and they said, rejoice here, be happy, or take hold of joy again because of what you have done. Or it says, or praise you, and you will be the joy of your people. So God, if you come again, if you restore this to us, not only are you restoring prosperity, not only are you restoring strength, not only are you restoring joy, but God, you're coming again. You will be the joy of your people. And we will find our joy in you. Now, you know, most of the time, most of the time, people don't realize it. Uh, uh, sometimes people don't make the connection to the fact that spiritual decline causes us to lack prosperity. Amen. When we decline spiritually, it cuts the blessings of the Lord in our lives. Amen. Sometimes people don't realize that. Amen. It causes also emotional and spiritual weakness. Amen. Because if the joy of the Lord is your strength... When that joy is not there, then you're weak. And sometimes when you look at yourself and you're going through times of weakness, you know, when you're going through times of, 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 of emotional stress, then you need to look at where you are in your relationship with the Lord. Don't just put it on the circumstances of life. Amen. Look at where you are in your relationship with the Lord. Because there is no way for the joy of the Lord to be your strength and then during times of emotional stress and emotional uh, 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 problems that you lose joy. You may lose happiness, but you don't lose joy. Amen. You don't lose joy. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. A loved one can die, and you may be sad at the, at the death of a loved one, but you don't lose joy. Amen. Amen. You, don't, you only lose joy when you begin to stink spiritually. When you begin to decline spiritually, then, then nothing is right in life. Nothing is right in life. 
nothing you try. You can come to church and, the, and, 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 and you can go through the motions of praising the Lord, but you still have that emptiness inside of you. Amen. Because you lost joy. You lost joy. Amen. You can come and dance. Amen. You can feel the emotional high in worship. But once you've lost joy, that emotional high in worship will quickly wane when that experience has ended. So a lot of times people don't realize that when they're going through uh, 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 these, these, these emotional uh, and spiritual weakness times in their lives, it's because they've lost their joy in the Lord. Amen. Spiritual decline, spiritual decline shows itself in our lives in so many ways. Amen, amen, amen. And so the psalmist is very insightful by saying, make us prosperous again. Amen. Make us strong again. Make us joyous again. Amen. He has seen the spiritual poverty of his people. Amen. And, and, and that being the case, it's the reason that some of the commentators stated that this happened during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. Because in Ezra chapter 9 verse 8, Ezra prays. Ezra says, and now for a little while, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a peg in his holy place, that our God may enlighten our eyes and give us a measure of revival in our bondage. For we are slaves. Yet our God did not forsake us in our bondage, but he extended mercy to us in the sight of the king of Persia to revive us, to revive us, to repair the house of our God, to rebuild the ruins and to give a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. Yeah, they understood. They saw the spiritual decline of the nation. So saints of God, So we come to the house of the, we come to the church in general. And we can do all of the things to make worship exciting. We can have all of the trappings of, of, of modern day worship. Amen. But when there's spiritual decline in the lives of God's people, they don't have joy. They don't have joy. And so what we're sensing today in, in, around the world, what we're seeing today is because there's spiritual decline in the land. People have fallen away from God. Elder Hudson talked about the principles of God that must work. God cannot deny himself. God cannot deny his word. So if we see that his principles are not working in our lives, we can't say, God, what's wrong with you? We have to ask God, what's wrong with me? What's happening in my life? Amen. Where have I fallen away from you? Where have I declined? Where have I gone back? Where have I fallen by the wayside? Yeah. That, that, that's a serious problem in the, in the world. Because church can't be like going to the nightclub. Worship can't be, it's not true worship when, when you're in the nightclub. Mm -mm -mm. 
You know, we can't be religious people. We must be people of faith. We must be people who live by faith. People who believe God. People who stand on the promises of God. People who believe God in spite of what's going on around us. And we must keep the fervency of our worship. Now, to revive means to bring back from the dead. To bring to life again. It means to quicken. Okay? And, 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 and the chief word in verse 6 is the word revive. Yeah. Would thou not revive us again? Revive means it implies God bring life to us again. But it implies that, that, that creation has been accomplished. The passing from death unto life has taken place. Revive. You were dead, now you've been made alive again. But it also suggests that the life has declined. And therefore, there is a need for revival. The life has declined. How many of us would do an honest estimation of ourselves and say, God, I need revival? There's something in my walk with you that has declined. We can put it on the church. We can put it on people in the church. You know, how many people have left Tabernacle of Praise and blamed somebody else in the church? How many people have left XYZ Church in, uh, in, in, in South Carolina, North Carolina, California and blamed somebody in the church? But when you look at it, an honest estimation says, I had a part in it. An honest estimation says, I was not where I should have been in the Lord. Because if I had been where I was supposed to be in the Lord, your words would not have offended me. If I had been doing what I had been supposed, was supposed to be doing in the Lord, I wouldn't have got caught up in what I got caught up in. Say amen, Walls. You know. So it's easy to shift the blame. But we shouldn't be about shifting blame. The people of Judah, the leaders especially of Judah, not everybody, but the leaders and some of the people realized that the problem lied with them, not God. Not God. Not God. Sometimes when I read some of the prayers in the Bible, especially in Ezra and Nehemiah, when Nehemiah prays and he asks God to forgive him, when he's assessing the situation in prayer, he doesn't leave himself out. He says, we have sinned. Amen. Amen. So even those of us as leaders, we have to understand that we are a part of this need for revival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The spiritual life has declined. A lot of times we go through the motions. Ooh. We were in a service one night. And, 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 and I don't know how many of you remember this, but the preacher was preaching. I don't say this to condemn him at all, but when I heard the words, it, like, it, it, it did something to me. And he said something to the effect of, and the show must go on. <laughs> and I'm like, is this a show? Do we come on Sunday with the, with the frame of mind that the show must go on. 
And if, if, if that's the spirit that you come to worship in, then you're going to miss what God wants to do in your life because this should never be a show. No, no, no. No, no, no. Never, never be a show. Whatever we do, we should do it to the glory of the Almighty God. Amen. Whether it's in worship, whether it's in your service, the Bible says that we, that we serve as unto the Lord. It's never a show. Never a show. Never a show. Spiritual life has declined, but the life that has declined can be revived. Amen. The life that has declined can be revived. The health, the vigor can come back again. The backsliding can be healed. Then the Lord took me to the book of Habakkuk, amen, in chapter 3, and he prayed earnestly for the revival of his generation. And notice what Habakkuk says. Habakkuk says, oh Lord, I've heard thy speech and was afraid. Lord, I've been paying attention to what you've been saying. I've heard what you said, and my response is fear, reverence, reverential respect to you. Lord, I was afraid. Then he said, Oh Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. Now, listen, saints, I am not saying that God is mad at us. I'm not saying God is angry with us. God hates sin. Amen. Amen. But God loves us. Amen. And when, if God disciplines us, he does it because he what? Loves us. Not because he's angry. Amen. If he's angry with anybody, he's angry with the devil. Amen. We should never feel that God is angry with us. God may be disappointed with us. God may be displeased with us. Amen. But God is not angry with us. Amen. Thank God this is satisfied in Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So, so the prayer of Habakkuk needs to be our prayer today. Amen. Revive thy work, O Lord. Amen. Lord, revive thy work. In the midst of the years, Lord, revive thy work. I'm going to come back to in the midst of the years. That thing has been ringing in my spirit for the last three or four days. Amen? Amen. You see, when we, revive thy work. I want to talk a little bit about reviving thy work. You see, because when we think of revival, we think of reviving us, reviving a person. Amen? Revive the people. But Habakkuk says, Lord, revive thy work. Amen? Amen. Amen. And sometimes we don't make the connection that not only are we the people in need of revival, but we, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, are the work of God in need of revival. Amen? Ephesians 3 and 20 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Amen? Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Revival is not just to make us a better people. Amen. Revival is to bring alive the work of God again. Amen. Amen. To renew the vigor, to renew the vitality, to renew the strength, to renew the power, to renew the witness of the work of God through his church. Amen. If we don't, 
If, if I don't get revived, a piece of God work, God's work is not revived. If you don't get revived, a part of God's work is not revived. We are God's work. And if we're not revived, his work does not go forward. Because his work can't go forward until I put myself in the place to do what God ordained for me to do. God revived thy work. Somebody say, God revived thy work. God, I am your work. God, I am your work. God revived thy work. You, we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's work is not separate from us. Are y'all listening? His work is not separate from us. We are his work. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. God revived that work. God revived that work. I remember when this ministry first started and we would come and we would worship the Lord and our children would be dancing and praising and running around the sanctuary and giving God glory and we would have revivals and crusades and people were coming. God revive thy work. But I can tell you some other things I remember. Things that people don't know that I knew about. Amen. I can remember when we get together and then people would have conversations about ungodly things. Because some of us were not the work of God. Are we taking ourselves out of place a bit? We, no, no, no. We, are, we separate ourselves from being God's work. So then when I come to church, I'm God's work. But when I'm, when I'm outside of church, then I'm something else. No, 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 no. There can't be a separation. We are God's work everywhere. We're just God's work. I'm God's work at home. I'm God's work in my car. I'm God's work when I'm in Africa. I'm God's work when I'm at Bilo. I'm God's work when I'm at Publix. I'm God's work when I'm at wherever I am. Oh, we're all guilty of, of saying and doing things we have no business doing because we make a separation in God's work. And we don't realize that when we do that, it causes spiritual decline. So then the church can't prosper, the work of God can't, can't prosper because God's people have declined. And you can't blame anybody else but yourself. So I blame me. And you got to blame you. Amen. God refined that work. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Yeah, yeah. So revival... It's not just to make us a better people, but it's to bring alive the work of God. When God's work is alive, souls will be saved. When God's work is alive, people will be ministered to. When God's work is alive, backsliders will be reclaimed. When God's work is alive, the world will be a different place to live in. Are y'all listening? Is this making any sense to anybody? Hmm. Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years. Over 2,000 over two years ago, amen, the church of Jesus Christ was born. Amen? Amen. When, 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 when the church was born, the church wasn't born in weakness. 
Are y'all, come on, look at me. Amen. Look at me. The church was not born in weakness. Amen. The church was not born anemic. Amen. The church was not born with diabetes. Amen. The church wasn't born spiritless. The church wasn't born, amen, through a through silver tongue orators. The church was not born through education. The church was not born through conferences. The church was not born through Bible colleges and seminaries. The church was not born through an institution. She was born, amen, in a, with a unique characteristic, a divine, glory to God, ingredient. She was born through the power of the Holy Ghost. When the day a Pentecost was fully come. My God, my God, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and filled all the house. God, we need that power today. Revive thy work, oh God. Fill all the house, all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like fire and it lit upon each one of them. Somebody said each one of us. Church wasn't born weak. Church wasn't born with confusion. The church was not born with jealousy. Born in the power of the almighty God. A unique characteristic. No other religion in the world can say that the church was birthed by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That makes us different. That makes us unique. Do you know that the Holy Spirit lives in you? And if he lives in you, how is he manifesting himself? When the church was born, every gift of the Spirit was in operation. <sighs> there was not one gift the resurrected Son of God gave to the church that wasn't manifesting to the, through the church. God, we want the gifts of the Holy Ghost manifested through your church today. Hallelujah. <sighs> the church had the capacity to prove, glory to God, to produce proof that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Mm. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, of rise up and walk. And it caught the man by his hand, and immediately his legs received strength. How many of us have courage, glory to God, to speak the word and then put action behind it? Hallelujah. Mm, it is not to condemn us. It is to say to us that there has been spiritual decline. And it didn't start with us, saints. It didn't start with us. You see, you see, the first three centuries uh, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it's historically known that, that the entire world came under the influence of Christianity. I mean, the testimony in the book of Acts was they turned the world upside down. They turned the world upside down. But after the first three centuries, something happened. Something happened in the church. And, and you'll bear witness to this. Amen? The church began to embrace 
robes and big crosses and the bishopric and organization and denominationalism and, 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 and especially the birth of Catholicism. Amen? And I'm not speaking against the Catholic Church, but if you know the history, amen, you just know the history. Amen? Christianity became a state religion. It's dangerous when Christianity is tied to the state. Oh, my goodness. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, I'll say it again. It's dangerous when Christianity is tied to the state. To the, yeah, you know, even today in the United States of America, amen, when there was a group of people who feel like, amen, that they have to put that person in power because he's a Christian, they'll, 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 they'll bypass every other thing and they will use abortion as the issue to push people to say, you need to vote this way because the other group is for abortion. They're for this and they're for the other. Amen. And we, we stand for this so we are more Christian than anybody. It is dangerous when the king and the priest get in bed together. I mean, it's a dangerous situation because the prophetic voice has to always be separate, amen, from the political voice, amen, amen. And we see this around the world and we see it happening in Liberia right now where there has now been the president who has started, amen, a church and built the church. And of course, he has somebody over the church, but then one of the bishops in the land is his spiritual father and they say he's speaking in them, but the prophetic voice and the political voice has to always be separate because the prophet must be in a position to speak God's word and God's message to the people and even to the president. One of the reasons I've never been interested in running for political office is that a prophetic voice has to remain separate from the political voice. We have to stand outside and we have to be able to hear God and we have to be able to speak the word of God without any type of influence from anybody else. We got to be like Elijah or like Samuel, uh, 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 whichever one it was, Uriah who went to David, amen, and said, you're the one. You are the one, David. The prophet has to stand separate. Who, Lord, have mercy. So when the church started becoming a state religion, we saw spiritual decline. And we have declined down through the centuries. So the problem we're in didn't start yesterday. It didn't start when Barack Obama became president. I don't care what they say. Amen. And we see the spiritual decline in the church. I was watching something on Facebook the other day, and somebody said, this is how I got it. And the old mothers, they had the folk at the altar, and the mothers would stand around and say, Jesus, say Jesus, say Jesus, say Jesus, say Jesus, call Jesus, call Jesus. And they said, this is the way I got it. People would tarry at the altar until they got a breakthrough. Now what do we say? All you got to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God will raise from the dead and you shall be saved. So you got all these people confessing with their mouths the Lord Jesus and believing in their heart that God will raise from the dead and they say they're saved. But there's, no, there's nothing producing in their lives. And I've explained to you that it's totally, listen to me good. Everybody in here who confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead but there was no will in it. It's totally different when you stand up inside of a building in the United States of America, anywhere else in the world, and there is no persecution. 
Nobody's going to take your life for confessing Jesus. You get baptized inside of the church. Nobody sees you getting baptized. Nobody knows you're a Christian. It's totally different. They sprinkle water on your head or they pour water on you inside of the building. And nobody knows you're a Christian. And if they didn't know, it wouldn't matter. Because nobody's going to persecute you. It's totally different than when you stand, when you're living in a society, when you're living in a world where Christians are being persecuted. For claiming the name of Jesus, you could lose your family. You could lose your home. You could very well lose your life. But yet, because you know that you know that you know that you know that Jesus is Lord, that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, then you confess him even though it may cost your life. Spiritual decline. And we see it in our lives. We see it. We don't pray. People can't, people can't persevere in prayer. Pray for an hour. People be saying, what do I say? People won't come to prayer. The early church went from house to house breaking bread, having fellowship with one another. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching. Sometimes I can almost count the people in two hands who continue steadfastly in the apostles' teaching. Because people got other things to do. Spiritual decline. Spiritual decline. You talk about sacrifice. You talk about sacrifice. Pastor, that's only so far I can go. It's only so much I can do. Spiritual decline. And we see it. And we cannot blame God. We can only blame ourselves. Lord, help us today. You know, one of the wonderful things that our youth experienced in Liberia last year was the simplicity of life. So you have people 25, 30 years old playing games, interacting with one another, having fun. And the games they were playing, our young people would not play those games. It would be boring because we have gotten into video gaming and we we want action we want to see blood we want to see people being killed you know is that right I remember when my son was a child he always wanted to play the R I said son no 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 you can't play already games I'm gonna pick your games and they will be very simple G-rated games now when you get old enough and you've learned some foundations, then maybe you can start playing, especially when you get out of my house, you can do, I can't stop you from doing, but while you're in my house. And so, so today, with all these people that's playing games, they can come and they can pick up a gun and they can go out and put the gun to your head and shoot you. And it does not matter. Because they have been desensitized. 
desensitized. I know I got to finish this message. I was, I was, I was, I was somewhere listening to, to a broadcast on BBC, and they were talking about the effects of video games on society, not just in America, but in Great Britain and other parts of the world. And of course, the video gaming industry is saying there are no negative effects. But baby, you got you to gotta have some common sense. You got to look at what's going on around you. Let me go on with this message. Spiritual decline. And so now, because our children are so hyped up, and they, 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 they got all of this stuff running through their brains when they come to church. A good worship service is not hyped up enough. You got to rev it up. And you got to do all of this stuff on, on video and stuff to get their attention. And then you're not going to keep it long. You send them to school. And they can't pay attention to school. Because you fed them. You raised them. What? With, face, with, with television and videos and, and computers. Amen. Now their minds are crazy. They can't settle down and read a book. When last time you read a book? When last time you read a book, adults? Hmm. When the last time? If you're not reading, your children ain't reading. Your grandchildren not reading. Because your brains, excuse me, Lord. Spiritual decline. And we wonder why the world is like it is. We've fallen away from God. That, that unique characteristic, that birthright of the church. Some others say, I want my birthright back. Ooh, Lord have mercy. Ah, if you want your birthright back, you can get your birthright. You can get it back. You can get him back, glory to God. The Bible says, if we know how to give good gifts unto our children, how much more would the, would the Father give the Holy Ghost to everybody who asks? If you want your gift right, birthright back, ask for it. Glory to God. Don't come to church and wait for me to stir you up or wait for the crowd to stir you up. Get on your knees in prayer. Turn down your plate. Fast and pray and stir up. Spirit of God inside of you. So Habakkuk said, glory to God, restore, revive your work, O God, in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years. You see, when you read that, that passage of scripture, in the midst of these, I wish, I wish I could demonstrate this, but if you had, if you had um, two Utility poles. You ever pay attention to the wire? That's between the two poles. Is the wire straight? Huh? It does what? It sinks. You see, spiritual life 
And natural life is not always it's not, it's the same. Natural life in the beginning is strong. Spiritual life in the beginning is strong. In the end is strong. Okay? If you're born again, when you get born again, you're on fire for God. And at the end of your life, if you're still born again, you're still on fire for God. But it's in the middle where the sink comes. We're in the midst of the years. And there's some sinking that is taking place. In the midst of the years, I was born again. I was on fire for God. I love the Lord. And then as I, as I went through my life, it just started a decline. I didn't drop all the way to the ground, but, but I started a decline in the midst of the years. Now, 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 now the prayer is, God, revive your work. Don't wait to the end, but in the midst, Lord. In the midst of what I'm going through right now, God, revive your work. In the midst of what I'm dealing with right now, God, revive your work. I don't want there to be a sink in my life. I don't want there to be all these low spots in my life. God, revive your work. In the midst of where I am, right now, where I am now, God, revive. Oh, if some people in here would just start sensing what the Spirit of God is saying. Oh, my goodness. Think about where you are. Think about where you are. Think about the things you've been going through. Think about where you were. Amen. Think about where you were in God. Think about the times when you were on fire, when you were excited about Jesus, when you loved the church, you loved the people of God. Amen. You loved the, if you ever did. And you loved the word of God, if you ever did. Think about it and now see where you are. Revive. Oh, somebody ought to be crying out, God, revive. Shouldn't be just me. It should be some people in here opening your mouths, crying out, God, revive your work. God, revive your work. God, revive your work. God, revive your work. Now, in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years, God, I'm, 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 I'm in between. I'm in, I'm, 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 I'm in the between from pole to pole, from my birth, amen, to the time you're taking me home, God. But now while I'm here, God, revive your work. Amen. I don't want to wait until I'm on my deathbed, amen, to get revived. God, I want to be revived right now. I don't want to wait until breath is almost gone from my body. God, revive me right now. I don't want to wait till I get to the hospital. Amen. God, revive me right now. I don't want to wait, glory to God, amen, between the stirrup in the ground. God, revive me now. Oh, God. Revive thy work, oh God. God, wilt thou not revive us again? God, will you not revive us again? There's an old hymn of the church that I love the hymn. 
We don't sing it anymore, but it says, Savior, visit thy plantation. Send us, Lord, a gracious rain. All will come to desolation unless thou return again. Lord, revive us. Lord, revive us. All our help must come from you. God, if you don't send a revival, all will come to desolation. All will die. Saints of God, this is so critical because when the saints are not on fire, the children can't be on fire. So when we look at our children, we wonder what's wrong with them. We need to ask ourselves what's wrong with us. So God, what needs to happen? There needs to be a recognition of the need. In this particular psalm, the psalm psalm writers were saying, Lord, you've been favorable to us before, but we see where we are. We see where we've fallen. We see that we need revival. This is not about me pointing my finger at you. This is about me looking at me and saying, God, I need revival. Despite every one of us looking at ourselves and seeing the need and the spiritual deprivation in our lives. We need to recognize the need. Then there needs to be a sincere plea to God for his mercy. Why do we need God's mercy? That's where forgiveness comes in. That's where restoration takes place, when God extends mercy. That's where reconciliation takes place, when God extends mercy. That's where revival takes place. When God looks on his people and he sees, he said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from that wicked way, then then but God's people won't turn God's people won't seek his face until they see a need whenever you think that you're alright the way you are you'll never do what God says you need to do when you're right in your own eyes you will never see the need to humble yourself and pray God says, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then, Lord Jesus, 
So in verse 6, he says, will you not revive us again? It is a prayer. It is an earnest plea. God, we need revival. Not just us coming to church saying a few words about revival. No, 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 no. Revival services do not produce revival. Prayerfully, the word of God will come forth under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and people will be convicted of their sins. But it's when God's people begin to see the need and humble themselves and pray and open yourself up to the Holy Spirit. See, some of us can be like the church of, I think it was the church of Laodicea. Yeah. Thought they were something that they weren't. So there has to be recognition of the need. There has to be a sincere plea to God. And God doesn't look at us as people look at us. God looks at the heart. But then, 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 then came the anticipation that God would do just as he said he would do. When they prayed, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Then he said, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace. What God will do when we sincerely come back to him is that, and and then when I read the word, he will speak peace. God will decree peace. Ooh, Lord, have mercy. Do you need peace? God will decree it when we come back to him. For he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But then, and I'll stop right here. I don't want to go too long today. There must be a commitment not to return to folly. Look up the definition of the word folly. The biblical definition of folly. It's translated in the Bible foolishness. But the foolishness is that you think there are no consequences for your sin. You read the Bible, you hear what it says, but you think, you make up in your mind that there is or there are no consequences for your sin. Don't return to foolishness. God help us. Revive us. Stir our hearts. Help us be sincere to you, Lord, that as you revive us, as you revive your work in the midst of the years, we won't return to foolishness. We won't return to foolishness. So then you get to the people who tell you, you're just super holy. You're holier than thou. But all you're trying to do is live your life according to what the Bible says. And the Bible says, let your conversation be as becometh the gospel. Can y'all hear me? Be as becometh the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then there are certain conversations you can't have. Even in fun. Certain conversations you just can't have. Don't return.